Mac Folklore Radio, read by Derek. Macworld, January 1994. Wise Guy by Guy Kawasaki. Give and you might receive. Christmas suggestions for the Macintosh industry. You can tell a lot about people by what they give for Christmas gifts. You can tell even more about people by what they should get for Christmas gifts. Here are some things to give this Christmas in order that we all might receive. Gift for John Scully, ex-CEO of Apple. Bill and Hillary Clinton cardboard cutouts. We're going to see if the man made the position or the position made the man. Just in case Bill and Hillary aren't his best buddies now that he heads an unheard-of company, John may have to use cutouts to show he's connected. And where did Scully end up after resigning from Apple? At Spectrum Information Technologies. Four months later, he sued Peter Caserta, alleging that he was misled when taking the position. Later, Caserta was sentenced to 27 months in prison on federal charges of conspiring to defraud hundreds of small businesses. In 1994, John Scully spent some time advising Kodak. Macworld cites an industry observer who said, Soon, Kodak is going to have trouble making film. Gift for Apple's Board of Directors An outside director who knows that the mouse ball goes on the bottom. Apple's board is beginning to make the Bush administration look diverse. Aren't boards of directors supposed to keep the management in line, not be the management? How many liquor stores are run by alcoholics? Gift for Bill Gates, Chairman, Microsoft. The first copy of Nolo Press's new product, Nolo's Prenuptials. Nolo Press is the developer of products such as Willmaker and Nolo's Living Trust. There are seven billion reasons why Bill needs this gift. Given the size of his estate, the prenuptial agreement may need to be on a CD-ROM, so you might want to send him a CD-ROM drive, too. Remember, Bill Gates was a bachelor right up until the time this article was published. See the episode The Goal of a New Machine from October 2018 for more prescient guy. Gift for Fred Ebrahimi, CEO, Quark. An 895 US dollar Nordstrom gift certificate. Fred should see the kind of service some companies give their customers for $895. If you give this gift to Fred, maybe he'll make a New Year's resolution that will be good news for Quark Express owners. Quark Express had, by many estimates, 95% of the professional desktop publishing market in the 1990s. But the company, Quark, had an attitude towards customers that was marginal at best. As noted in Macworld February 1994, some paying customers of Quark lost their original Quark Express discs and documentation to the U.S. hurricane season of 1993. They called up Quark to request replacements. Quark agreed, but only if customers paid another $895 US dollars, the full US retail price of Quark Express. In Macworld April 1992, Gene from Eldersburg, Maryland writes, Quark also deserves horns for its outrageous policy of charging for technical support. One time I called, and the specialist refused to even answer my question. A second specialist answered only after taking a credit card number so I could be billed $25 for the answer. Guess what? It was a case of needing the latest software patch. I wasn't charged $25, but then I haven't received the patch yet either. 
A friend of MFR, who was neck deep in the publishing business at the time, told me, Morally, we felt we should pay for software we used to make money, but Quark was so user-hostile that we just started pirating it. Gift for laid-off Apple employees A copy of What Color Is Your Parachute? by Richard Bowles This book is guaranteed to help them in their search for a new job or career. There is life after Apple. In fact, some folks say that the only thing better than working at Apple is leaving Apple. May they all come to ask themselves, why did I stay so long and live happily ever after? Remembering, of course, that the 1990s were a tremendously dark time for Apple, with reorg upon reorg and layoff after layoff. See the MFR episode titled, That Vision Thing, for more. Gift for Macintosh LC2 and 2VX owners. A one-year subscription to MacWeek so they can read rumors about new Macintoshes. They might be able to avoid buying a model immediately before it becomes outdated. Better yet, they could simply get on with life and not worry about it, because obsolescence is a fact of life in personal computers. The 68030-based Macintosh 2VX was on the market for one year, but only four months after its introduction, it was eclipsed by the 68040-based Centrus 650, which was not only much faster, but cheaper by 250 US dollars. The Macintosh LC2, a 16-bit data path and thus hatefully slow machine, was replaced by the 32-bit data path LC3 just one year later. It, too, was cheaper, this time by 350 US dollars. Gift for Macintosh Old Timers A copy of Hard Drive by David Pogue What could be better than a novel about Macintosh when they're tired of reading Inside Macintosh Volume 20? It has an arrogant Macintosh programmer, a Silicon Valley startup, a beautiful product manager, and a terrifying virus. Old timers will know that hard drive is fiction because it's about voice recognition that works. Gift for Michael Crichton, author and Macintosh user. A gift certificate for a one-hour full-contact massage by Akebono, sumo champion of Japan. Crichton rubbed many Japanese people the wrong way by depicting the Japanese in unflattering ways in Rising Sun and Congo. So why not return the favor? Gift for Michael Spindler, CEO, Apple Computer. The next Macintosh. I don't mean a new model of this Macintosh. I mean a computer that leapfrogs Macintosh the way Macintosh leapfrogged the Apple II. At least Steve Jobs left John Scully something besides disgruntled employees. Gift for Newton Owners One free copy of Mavis Beacon Teaches Penmanship Why do they need a copy of this software? To Kelp Newton finger out what, where, tying do wrath. Gift for Electronic Arts, publisher of Mavis Beacon Teaches Typing. Electronic Arts got its Christmas gift early this year, the first version of Newton. Now all the company has to do is capitalize on it by creating a new version of their typing tutor that teaches penmanship to Newton users. Gift for Steve Capps, engineering honcho of the Newton Project. Two years of patience. He and the rest of the Newton team have been taking some heat. For Newton, this is 1984, and Newton is the Macintosh 128K. 
Criticize Newton all you like, but watch what it is in two years. People laughed at the Macintosh, too. Apple's board is beginning to make the Bush administration look diverse. And in 1997, we did get a new board of directors. To start at the top. Uh, Apple's done a lot of, of change at the bottom, and I think this change needs to start at the top um, with the board of directors. Focus on... <laughs> so let's, uh, let's talk about some of these. Board of directors. Apple had a, uh, a very decent group of people as the board of directors. Uh, they worked very, very hard for Apple. But I think uh, with Apple in the, in the situation it finds itself, it was time for a change. And uh, the directors agreed with that. We have put together a new board of directors that uh, I would like to announce to you today. There are two members of the prior board uh, that uh, we are extremely pleased they're going to stay on the new board. Uh, the first of those is Ed Woolard. Uh, Ed is the chairman and former CEO of DuPont. I've gotten to know Ed over the last uh, several weeks, and I, uh, I think he's terrific and has provided a tremendous amount of leadership uh, during this very critical time for Apple. Next is Gareth Chang. Uh, Gareth is the president of Hughes International. Again, he's been on the... Uh, He's been on the Apple board for a short while, and Gareth brings a tremendous uh, international experience to Apple, in particular in Asia, which is a very important market, a high growth market for Apple. And then we're going to add four new board members. The rest of the uh, prior board has resigned, and we're going to add... Uh, Four new board members to uh, to carry the company forward. The first is Larry Ellison, CEO of Oracle. I hope that wasn't a boo I'm hearing. Larry uh, started Oracle uh, in his garage about a year after we started Apple. It's grown to be the second largest software company in the world. Uh, we would like to do a lot more in terms of software, and we thought having some uh, software industry expertise would be a good idea on the board. Uh, second board member, Jerry York, former CFO of IBM and Chrysler. Uh, Jerry uh, did a lot of the turnaround work at Chrysler and IBM and uh, is uh, extremely well-known and respected uh, in the financial community for his work. The third new board member is Bill Campbell, CEO of Intuit. Bill, uh, in addition to being uh, CEO of Intuit, uh, was formerly the Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Apple uh, during some of its heyday and also ran Claris and is very familiar with uh, some of the successes and some of the failures uh, that Apple has had, and I think it'll be an extremely good board member. And lastly, uh, I am joining the board as well. to just uh, take a moment and, uh, and thank the outgoing board members. I think it has not, uh, not been an easy job to be a board member of Apple over the last few years, and uh, these are very decent people, and they've been trying uh, very hard to do the right thing for the company. And uh, to welcome our new board members, I think we have a, a really exciting task ahead of us. 
uh, to help, uh, help the management team and guide Apple uh, uh, back to health and to prosperity. And so I hope you'll agree that uh, this is a pretty sweeping change. Uh, we're adding a tremendous amount of, of industry expertise. We are not naming a chairman at this time. Uh, we're going to wait until we have a new CEO and, and uh, sort things out when that happens uh, at that time. Now, I put, I put together a little video. Uh, if you'd like, I'll show it to you. That just uh, I asked the, We asked the board members a few questions, and you can just maybe get a little, get a little familiar with them. Would you like to see it? Apple board are all computer insiders. We've all been in the computer industry. Everyone knows that the uh, computer industry changes at the speed of light. Now we have people who clearly can help us articulate and understand where the niches are where Apple can compete and successfully win. So a lot of times we try to focus on ourselves, re-engineer ourselves internally, and we forgot sometimes who pays the bills. It's the customer out there that pays the bills. You know, one of the things that, that uh, bothered me years ago was when, when they raised prices. I thought that that was a, the, the um, uh, it, it, it made me think that Apple didn't understand the outside world. I think Apple needs to worry less about competing with Microsoft and worry more about doing things that are different. That's back to innovation. It's back to creativity. It's back to vision. No one's really going to believe Apple can be successful until we get the revenues and the cost back in line, and that means we've got to start growing the revenues again. Companies have to look at everything they're doing and determine, you know, what are core competencies, what are the core parts of the business. In a sense, Apple is trying, trying to do too many different things. We need to focus on a handful of things and do them really, really well. Well, I was on the Citicorp board in 1991. The price of the stock was $9 a share, and there was many negative articles being written about Citicorp was going bankrupt. Uh, the price today is $130, mainly because we did the fundamental things that were necessary to focus on the customer and focus on having a highly successful business. At, at Chrysler, uh, we had to take uh, nearly $4 billion out of the cost structure to get Chrysler fully competitive, uh, particularly with the Japanese. I've seen this at DuPont, I've seen it at IBM, I've seen it at Citicorp. The success starts to generate additional success. Well, the confidence has to start with a clear vision. What are we trying to accomplish? What are we trying to do? You take that vision down to a strategy. It has to, people have to look at it and say, yes, they can do that. When a company lacks the energy, you can't do anything to the company. So I think with Steve and the new board members, first thing we need to do is inject tremendous amount of new energy, new thoughts. Apple has very strong positions in two market segments, uh, first education, and secondly, uh, creative content. What other computer system has 20 to 25 million loyal, enthusiastic, uh, committed users? Just building on that base, recapturing uh, their dedication and strength because we're bringing out great products. Whenever you have a strong position in a market segment, you can capitalize on that. You know, Apple's the only lifestyle brand in the computer industry. It's the only company that people feel passionate about. You know, my company, Oracle, it's a huge company. IBM's a huge company. Microsoft's a huge company. But no one has incredible emotions associated with our companies. Only Apple is really a lifestyle brand. 
and companies can spend billions of dollars to build a brand. Apple does not have to do that. It's already been done. The important thing is to, uh, to build products that are wonderful and, uh, or as Steve would say, insanely great. And it's time to start building insanely great products. The biggest thing you can do is go out and buy a Mac. Do I use a Mac? Absolutely, I use a Mac. I have three of them in my home. I've been using a Mac since 1984, and I'm not about to stop. I probably own every single machine that Apple had ever produced, and I can tell you, no one can change me in terms of personally what machine I will use. It's got to be a Mac.